Welcome to our first episode of our brand new podcast. I'm Dylan Davis. I'm here with Luke Fulcher and Pastor David Malcolm. Uh, we wanted to come on here, create this new show, um, and we just want to talk about being sons and daughters of the Most High God. Uh, we want to we want to share a revelation about coming out of the uh, ministry machine. A lot of people listening to this are going to understand what we mean by that. Um, we're going to share some of our insights into that and some of our testimonies about coming out of that. And uh, yeah, who wants to go first? I guess I could say, I, I would one thing I'm excited about this podcast, me and uh, David have been friends for a decade, over a decade now, I guess. And uh, we've had all these incredible conversations on the telephone, yeah. you know, throughout the years, usually in eight part uh, segments because he never has cell service where he lives because he lives in <laughs> the middle of nowhere where I'm almost living now. Yeah, and, uh, but we've had all these conversations where we thought we've just about saved the world by the end of it. And we're like, well, no one was there to hear it. So yeah, now that's... I'm excited to, <laughs> to actually be able to uh, bring this to, you know, whoever would happen upon our little unnamed podcast here. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I, I think um, I, the idea of I think where we're go- going with this, there's uh, Isaiah 35. You know, prophesies about a day where oh, the wilderness begins to bloom, and in a place that had been desolate be- begins to uh, teem with life. You know, and I think it's a, a picture of what God wants to do with the entire world. And I think. Um, here, we're just trying to sow some little seeds into that big project over the course of doing this. But uh, I think uh, the thing about the wilderness is we Im- immediately associate it with Exodus and, and the place between you know Egypt and the promise. But in the New Testament, the, the first context of the wilderness is John the Baptist is born in the line of Zechariah, he's in the line of the high priest. And the expectation is he's going to go into the priesthood and wear the robe and do the ceremony and, and everything that a priest does. And it was a place of prestige in Israel and socially as well as uh, spiritually. And instead, what he does that earns him the distinction of Jesus saying none greater than John the Baptist has ever been born in history before the kingdom of God. Right. What he did was he said, forget all that. I love you, dad, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to go into the wilderness going to start preaching before I have an audience. People will find me there. I'm wearing camel's hair and, you know, eating honey and locust, you know, a high-protein diet there, you know. <laughs> and people begin to find their way to this man, and he's preaching, the, you know, this message of, of repentance. And Jesus 
you know, he winds up identifying Jesus. Jesus immediately goes into the wilderness. Yeah. You know, and is tempted by the devil. And when he gets out of there, you know, he goes and starts preaching what John was preaching, which is repent for the, or change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so I yeah. think we're just, a lot of what we're going to be doing in here over this podcast, not just today where we're talking about leaving the system, but the other things we'll do. It's, it's, we're trying to think through what is it like to live since we know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And by at hand, we don't mean he's coming back any time. I mean, he's in our reach now. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's within. Yeah, for the last 2,000 years, he's in our reach. Right. So how do we live differently knowing that, you know? Yeah. It's good. Yeah, so, and, and to, I, I think before, I think there's some beautiful things that the Lord is doing in our midst right now. And you talk about like our conversations, but it's beautiful, uh, Dylan, you being here, I feel like we have those same conversations where the wind just starts to move, the swirl starts to happen, and revelation comes almost you know the scripture says Hol- right yeah. the scripture says holy spirit will put the words in your mouth and we must be kings cuz he said that's what it was for right, right. <laughs> so so we're royalty so when i talk to you there seems to be holy spirit putting something in, in our mouths and so uh not just not just that we have that we are trying to communicate this uh, this place that we are, um, and I think part of the reason why we've waited so long is I think it was it was for this for us to sit down together like this and for this time. But I, I also think that right when I think about the story of John the Baptist, while you were talking, I think about so John the Baptist goes out. He goes out with the intention of of preaching that message, and and but he. Like you were saying, he's rightful heir. He's a zealot. He, he's he's next in line, right? And um, but the the beautiful thing is that Jesus comes and bears witness to what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason for doing this podcast now is because more and more we are catching that that not only did we have we stepped into or maybe stepped out of or still still trying to live his sons and he's un you know he's still pulling weeds out of the garden and something will sprout up and um he's still tending to us but also that we're catching the fact that he's bearing witness more and more to this message of you know John the Baptist said you know you brood of vipers or he's you know repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the amazing thing was Right, that his unveiling didn't come until Jesus had come to agree with it. Mm-hmm. So I really believe there's a wind right now that it's that this is going to hit some people's heart where there's an agreement that Jesus is bringing to this message of this long view, this um, this simple sonship, um, this obviously. Um, gospel, you know, life and this simple devotional heart. And so that that's our prayer with this is, is or at least mine in this is I, I don't know where the wind's going to swirl in this, but I, that's my, that's my prayer out of all of this. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that.
Yeah. And for that moment. And I, w- I do want to add a disclaimer before we go any further that, you know, we're going to be talking today about the idea of sort of leaving the ministry machine and people may have different impressions of what that means. We'll get into that. But I want to just lay out there. I, by no means do I want to seem like I'm insulting any person. No, sir. You know, Not or, at all. you know, there's, we'll talk about a lot of the machine was inside of us, yep. you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of the people that built machines did, did it. In, with good intentions, so I don't want anyone to think I'm talking about, you know, if I, if I you know, use an example of something, you're like, well, my pastor does that. He must not be spiritual. I'm not talking about that, you know, but, but we do want to be able to talk real. Yeah. So preemptively, I want to honor every individual, but yes, at sir, the same right. time, I, we don't want to ha- have to feel like we're pulling punches talking about where we're at, you know. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and, and I, th- I think f- that... For one, for me, you know, this message isn't going to reach everybody, and it, and it might not sound the same to everybody, and I'm okay with that. But I will even say, and I think we can all agree, that there was, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how you circumvent this, but the same way that the law led to Christ is the same way that yeah. I feel like the system taught me how to hunger, but the hunger and the, led to striving, yep. and then the strive it, it didn't fill. And that's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. We're saying that that we that we came to a place where we learned rest because we were striving and we believe that there's a new and living way mm-hmm. to to not have to go through that path. So we were we were not only um or at least for me I was I was a participant in in mm-hmm. the system to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I think for me I was raised in the expectation of the system. Uh, and that's why I fled the system, but I fled it in such a way that, um, I was not a part of anything. Yeah. Like I was on the track to damnation and hell. <laughs> and, uh, and then, which by, is not better than the system, by which the way, which is not <laughs> better. I'd rather be in the machine on the same road <laughs> than go the opposite way. Right. Um, but uh the my return into uh the church i already knew what the like the machine home life and machine church life like i got both aspects of it uh very young and then when i left all of it um and went my own way for a long time. When I came back, my expectation was to be put back in the machine. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I didn't want to come back wow, to wow, church wow. was because I'm like, as soon as I get back there, some robotic person mm-hmm. is going to shake my hand and ask me where I've been for the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And that gave me anxiety. But it was actually the complete opposite of what happened. Um, maybe... The Holy Spirit just shielded me from most people, and, and that's a good thing too. But um, when I came back to church, it was actually not this cold, hard machine that I had remembered. Mm. And um, now there were still people that you know were in the machine, are in the machine, whatever. Uh, I feel like in some ways or another, I'm still wired by that same machine that I wanted to leave behind. And I think that's kind of where I'm at now is I'm trying to, uh, with the Holy Spirit, pull those wires out to where I'm now just an organic son. Yeah, that's really good. 
That's really good. Mm. Yeah, I th- I think for me, uh, just you know, um, I was someone you know who really was born in the fire. You know, I was where I came from. You know, my uh, my dad was. Uh, you know, living in all kind of craziness in the you know drug game and all kinds of things, and uh, you know there was a move of the spirit happening at a tiny little uh, Pentecostal church in in Nowheresville, Virginia. That uh, all of a sudden, you know, every it seemed like every biker and druggie and addict in the whole town got saved and built that little church into the biggest church in the town, which never would have <laughs> no one could, would have ever pegged. As far as I'm aware, it was the first spirit filled church in the town. I, I could be wrong, but um, but. When so, you know, I was bored into that kind of a testimony. And so, uh, and I experienced, you know, we moved to uh, a church in Richmond when I was younger that was like, got hit by what was happening in the Toronto Blessing like immediately. And I remember being, you know, drug out of kids church on a regular basis, you know, just slain in the spirit, you know, with all the, you know, with all the kids, you know, and that was just what what happened, you know, for months at a time. It might have been more than that. It felt like more than that, but I was a kid, so you never know. But um, it might have been three weeks. I don't know, but they were good. They were good, I tell you. You know, and so, so I get... I guess serious about God. I, mean, I don't know when I ever wasn't saved, I guess, but I started to get serious about God around the age of 12 and we're having, you know, and I, there was enough of a consciousness of revival and what that means. It was, you know, in, in the culture. And, um, but one of the things that happened around that time frame, we were talking about this the other day is somehow this leaven of this, uh, and again, I've put my disclaimers out there already, so I'm just going to let it rip. The whole seeker-sensitive thing that we have to like build the church around what's yeah. going to attract people, because we don't trust the Holy Ghost right. to right. attract people anymore, even though he's the only one that saves us. That's mm-hmm. right. But that'll scare people off, and so that leaven starts to come into the Pentecostal world, and we're right off of the heels of some of the greatest revivals in history in the late 90s. Right. Yeah. And in the early 2000s, it turns into everyone's trying to go, uh, you know, imitate what's working for other people. And I'm, I don't know what the Lord told Joel Osteen and Rick Warren and those people, but God didn't tell that word to everybody. Yeah. Right. You know, they, they may have been being obedient to what they heard from God, but that was not what most people were trying to copy that, you know? Yeah. And uh, so... So that leaven kind of runs in, and I feel like a lot of churches kind of got caught betwixt and between. And I, you know, place I was, I was at did so much good for me. I honor, honor it so much, but we dealt with a little bit of that betwixt and between of that game. You know, we're going right. to be all about revival at one minute, and then we'll get distracted by some of the seeker stuff the next. And so what happens is, uh, you know, I kind of just sort of assume, like, the culture is shifting to where as a young Christian, I'm talking, I'm a teenager at this point, like, I just assume that you kind of, you kind of have to do this build it big thing if you're going to reach the world, because that's just what the message I was getting as a 15, 16 year old, right. you know, and yeah. I think I had one of the most important moments of my life happens when I was in college and I was, uh, went to a, uh, a conference and, and heard a man uh, preach by the name of Damon Thompson, who I'm I'm proud to say became a apostle and spiritual father to me. And you need to just listen to every podcast of his that you can possibly find. There's hundreds <laughs> of them. Listen to all of them. 
Um, and you know, he was someone who was at the top of the ministry machine. I mean, going to TBN and the whole, the whole deal, you know, and you know, his message was basically like, I've been to the top and ain't nothing, <laughs> you know, and don't, don't waste your time trying to go here, stay in the presence, you know, and he hadn't even fully had what, what he would later term systemic exodus, which is kind of the idea we're going to, we're talking about here today, but he was on that path and I was able to sort of follow him without having to go through some of what he went through, uh, to get there. Um, and I think there's there's this thing of after a certain time you're, you're just feeling like you have to build this program and build this re, you know do everything you're doing to get people and it puts all this pressure on you to kind of produce something. But uh, the reality is the whole purpose of us gathering together was to host one that's right. person. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And it's the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. You know, and there's this there's this thing in. When the tabernacle of David was built in Israel, right, uh, Israel, the Ark of the Covenant is brought inside of this tabernacle. And for 40 years, they are, uh, Israel is brought around the manifest presence of God. They've got worship going 24 7. And, uh, you know, David is taking rest in the shadow of his wings, which is a lot of people believe is saying he was taking naps under the Ark of the Covenant. You know, this is not legal in the Old Testament. If you've read Exodus, Leviticus, this is not what you do. (laughs) But the whole time where they're in this weird spot where David's getting to live and Israel's getting to this sort of sneak preview of the new covenant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, because, uh, because David's hunger overrode our conceptions of timing, you know, and in the midst of this great mysterious thing, there's still another tabernacle where they're having to make the same sacrifices at the tabernacle of Moses, but there's no glory there. Right. Wow. Yeah. The glory's in another place. Right. And I just think that we've the church culture at large in a lot of it in a lot of places has gotten into this spot where we're like the tabernacle of Moses. We're going, we're making the same sacrifices. Yeah. The glory's not there. Yeah. And listen, when the tabernacle of David is up, you don't go back to the tabernacle of Moses. That's right. right. And God's given us the opportunity to live in the present and build everything we build around one thing. Yeah. And if we don't do that, if we live in that inferior temple, uh, I think that's tragic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and like... And when you talk about that, what that starts to, you know, when you start to talk about that, I, I know what it starts to stir in me. Um, and, and so, so I came in, I, I, I was, I was radically saved in prison for those that haven't heard my story. And so I came in to, um, I came into the beginnings of, Revival, but very much into a mixed culture, right? And um, and I'm thankful for you for being present, uh, and then some others that God sort of brought around, right? And then we moved into revival, and I think, and we can call it revival. I'm, it, it should still be going, right? Um, and it still is going. That same fire is still burning in me, and still burns brighter. I, I don't want to make it sound like. You know that it was something that was momentary, um, but that throne. When you talk about David, that remind, that throne is forever, right? That that's the only one. That's the only place you're going to find him is where where David was, right? That's that's the only meeting spot even now and and forever, right? And um, and 
And there's something beautiful because when we talk about when we talk about this, we don't I don't want to I don't want to divorce the idea of presence from practicality because David then is is writing he's even more open to the Lord. Right? He has a deeper revelation of what you can say to God. And and that that's what gets stolen from us, right? It is you know uh what the system says is the same thing, right? It's it's uh, with the machine, and, we, and we'll, we'll have to define that here, or else we're just going to keep saying these words, and we're not right. going to. Um, yeah. and, and you've done a good job of defining it, but I, the um, maybe define it even further. But would it would it honestly? You can say a lot of what's missing out of it, and it's that same uh, thing the disciples said, right? Like f- where Jesus had to say, "Don't forbid the little children to come to me," right? Right is that if you you need to mature up some, and then you're going to earn a greater position. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, "Don't forbid the little children to come to me." And it's one of the greatest signs of uh, of a of a a programmatic, and that's really what we're talking about. We're really talking about um, a automation of of programs that create disciples and 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 they're just just automation for it's shortcutted if we build a church culture that has these core values and this vision statement and it's easily accessible and it's open to everyone and it doesn't offend anyone and it's very bland and vanilla, then we can create least common denominator kind of believers and we can plug them back in and then they can reproduce and mm-hmm. then we'll have an ongoing supply of volunteers to continue to... And, and what I found was my I'm so thankful for the same voice um, uh, of listening to what Damon was saying there at that at that exact time because I was just leaving from where we were we'd been in a, a measure of the spirit the Lord sort of started to call all of us out we were there together um, in that little nowhere town that 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 your dad got saved in which by the way is the major town to the one that we're in now yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> right uh, now we're in the middle of nowhere town <laughs> and 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 glory to God it must be a setup but <laughs> Uh, but when we came, the Lord started to sort of disperse us, and I, you went down there to where where God was moving in South Carolina. Some other people went to different places all over, and I went deep into the wilderness, <laughs> uh, deep, into, deep the wilderness. into into a place where where I you know I went into this ministry position, and um, and I and it was from the Lord, and I felt it was from the Lord. And uh, and it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful revelation for me, because after I got saved, I came out and I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't have you know your story, Dylan, and or or yours, Luke. I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't know what to do next. I just knew I was hungry for Jesus, and I had met Him, and I had encountered Him, mm-hmm. and I knew Him. Yeah. And, you know, I. I was I would search anywhere for him, right? And I, I had I'd learned in prison for two years how to how to have this 
personal devotional relationship. And, but there were all these other parts that were missing. There was the community part. You know, one of the things that I never figured out how to do while I was in prison, and I don't, I don't even know how to talk about this, you know, but uh, I, I, I was like, I can't wait to get out to give. Mm. There's no way to give when you're in prison. I was like, this is an obedience I haven't experienced yet. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> so I, That's I, awesome. You, you know, and like, so I'm like, and, and of course, at the time, my wife is not saved, right? Mm. Uh, she's been visiting me every week. I've been reading the Bible to her, and uh, um, she's not saved. And I remember her blessing me the whole way to church. God didn't call you to be an idiot. Don't give that money. <laughs> you know, but I'm just at this point where I'm like, it, it, you know, anything I can, I, my whole heart is for him. And then I meet some people who are burning for him. And I immediately get into this church that is, by that time, the largest church in the community, right? And um, and I get, I, I get, as they say, plugged in, yeah. right? Um, and, and I was thankful, right? And immediately, almost, it seemed like there was people that started to recognize and... and um, that there was something on my life and I couldn't even believe it at the time. And they, they immediately, so, um, so here's, so here's the thing was what I needed at the time was somebody to boost my confidence. Right. And it wasn't to make me courageous. Mm -hmm. And I pre we, I taught Sunday school and I preached messages in chapel. I preached messages, um, early on. And and I I don't know if they were just looking for a warm body. I preached heresy. (laughs) 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 I mean, mean, just like uh, uh, now looking looking back, I mean, I don't know that it was that, like, I I don't know that it was that bad. It wasn't heresy. It was just blasphemy. (laughs) It was just completely unbiblical. (laughs) It, it, It was bad. And, um, but, but it gave me, it started to build that confidence, right? And and it was all that I ever knew. So then God sent, when everybody went everywhere, I went, got sent into this little ministry assignment in this church that had six people in it. And you know what they don't have in a church of six people? They don't have a worship team with eight instruments and four singers and a massive stage and speakers you know what they don't have in a in the this little church of six people um they don't have a bunch of volunteers to run around and set up and so the only thing that i knew was hey look let's just go reach more people yeah and i had this i had this heart of really at the time had the heart of an evangelist. The only thing, you know, we just go out and lead people to Jesus, lay hands on the sick, watch them recover, um, baptize people in the Holy Ghost, just like this hunger and this this passion to see the kingdom of God come. And then somebody plugged me, put me in a position where I was now responsible for all I wanted to do was preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, and see re- revival. Yeah. And now I'm trying to figure out how to get somebody to take care of the babies. Yeah, right. And the only thing I knew was set up a religious hierarchy, right? Uh, bait a carrot, mm. shame and guilt. Mm. Mm. Why? Because they were the shortcuts. Right. Yeah. So when I started out and said I was a perpetuator of it, I came out from a completely different place because what what I learned was that 
this is this is fruitless and my heart because I never lost even as as difficult as the ministry position was and it did incredible things in me you never learned to worship to really worship until you don't have the things that you think make for incredible worship and you still press in for presence because you know if he be lifted high he'll pull me in right that because I'm a son of the most high God right I'm seated in heavenly places and if the glory just falls here and you you know I was I was blessed I think because of that I was blessed because of the pushback that became the blessing. But what I was blessed with initially really was that I was just convinced. I was, I was, I was, I had never been in a ministry position before. And I was just convinced that if he just shows up, yeah, if he, I was blessed. We didn't have enough resources. We didn't have enough people. We didn't have enough money. We didn't have a cool enough building. We didn't have enough musicians. We had to depend on Holy Spirit. Mm. And, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful because I'm thankful that, that, it, didn't, that, it, wouldn't, that it didn't work any other way. Mm. And there was nothing left. There was no other validation. I mean, the red, you didn't get to go there. Luke. <laughs> red roof. Luke, do you have a comment on that? Red windows. <laughs> red carpet. Red hymnals. Picture of Jesus behind the pulpit. Have to. Without question. <laughs> right. Anglo-Saxon Jesus hanging out. Blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus hanging out behind the pulpit. Right? Fake flowers on the pole, right? And it was and it was rough, right? But it It's I, one I, of those deacon possessed churches, as they say. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's, so That's good. awesome. But that so that was my journey in, right? Was that. And but he showed up. Yeah. He showed up. And we saw miracles and signs. And we saw wonders. We saw people baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we saw, we saw, we probably, I don't know how many people we baptized in water. I don't know how many of them came up talking in tongues. I don't know how many people, there are people that still we run with to this day that are still healed of major, I'm talking about like heart disease, um, hearing loss, uh, blind eyes. Uh, uh, we would have we would have nights in that place when there was nothing else. When we had just sang, I, I, I'll give you an example. This is how it was. I, I, I'm not trying to dominate, but just this will give you an example. So I preached a message on the victory of Jesus. Right? I preached a, a Holy Ghost. We are here to take over. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and someone got up at the end. I mean, I'm talking about like, you are the, you, are, uh, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You have been given, given the same authority as Christ Jesus. Yep. And he has all authority Come in on. heaven oh. and on earth. And, yeah. and, and I get done. <laughs> I and so, were you there? And there. someone gets up and says, 
this has been such a special service. I feel from the Lord that now we're supposed to sing, I'll fly away. <laughs> am, I, am I lying? That, I was there. I was eyewitness. So that, that's what, but he moved in all of that. And he moved in spite of all of that. Yeah. And he did the kingdom things in spite of all of that. Yeah. And it was God's grace because I was hearing this message that was saying to me, not try to slam that stuff in here, but let all of that die. Mm. And, and so when we got an opportunity to plant this church with a bunch of incredible, beautiful people that have been, some have been here the entire time, some have got his called on somewhere else, some left, and... uh but but a number of us have been perpetually in this place of learning what does it look like to to die to all of that desire every other metric except for hear and obey yeah what is the lord saying be faithful to that be satisfied in him be a son mm-hmm. be a husband be a father right and and let those metrics be the way that you gauge, not the carrot that says, if you pretend well, then you're going to get a new level, right? Mm-hmm. But, but the metric of, I'm loved. And what does it look like to be loved and to be me? And, that, and that's been a glorious experience. So that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about the, the system, right? Is, yeah, I, I think, and if I were to say, define what I mean when I say the system or the machine or, or what have you, I think it's when church becomes a self-propagating thing for its right. own purpose. Yeah. Because the purpose of the church is to be a dwelling place of God together for the, in the spirit. And so what happens is... Because we're the, not anti-church. No. No, no, no not at all. We're working for churches right now. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, so we we're, all... We're, we're sitting in a church yeah, yeah, right in now. Church right now. <laughs> I also am one. So yeah, that's... Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah. 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 You know. Uh, so, you know... <laughs> I think glory. Shout. You know, so again, I mean... No, uh, no man hateth himself. That's right. You know, so, uh, yeah, so don't think we're, we're angry deconstructing our faith. That's not, that's not us all, no. you know. No. You know, no. But, but what happens is we want to see uh, the bride of Christ be what she's supposed to be. Yeah. Is what we're here. And what happens in... And we're not discouraged yeah. by the immaturity. We we believe that 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 did what it did, and now we're we're in a new place. Yeah, I think. Uh, so I think. What do I mean when I say the machine? I mean when when we've rebuilt what we're doing around what's going to get butts in seats, so that people will give tithe checks, so that we can build a new building or plan another campus, so that more people can sit in seats, so that. It, right, and it just becomes this cycle. And, and again, if if that was happening in every step along the way as people were having radical encounters with God and being led in deeper measures of his presence, awesome, great, you got three locations. Here's what happens is a lot of people try to say, we need to not have deep encounters leading people into the presence of God because we need to make sure we can fill seats in three locations. Exactly. Right. And that is, you know, that's exactly counterproductive to what we're called to do. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, again, I'm not against church growth. I just want it to be the church growing because the glory's there and not because mm-hmm. someone built a big enough show and had, you know, good enough coffee and donuts, you know. And so uh, I think the other thing I think of when we talk about the machine is uh, exploitation. There when 
when the value of people in the family is assessed based on what they can bring to the growth of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd be kidding ourselves if we acted like that were there were not a lot of places in the world where that is the value system. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when I was in uh South Carolina, yeah, in in the revival family there at, at Hope Chapel, I think there was a, a very close friend of mine received a prophetic word um, that he said you'd had a hard time um, feeling accepted because you didn't know how to fit in without being used, mm-hmm. mm. right? And the idea, and he said, but the problem is God didn't bring you here to use you, right? right. In what other context? I get there's a like here I am send me right that's yeah, a, yeah. that's biblical right I get that right I'm I'm doing that now, uh, but in what other context do we talk about using people and we feel like it's like this thing that people are falling over be, being be, begging for right you know and so and yet like there's a whole lot of people who don't know how to be a part of the family of God or in the without like what can I do to be used yeah yeah. Right and, and and in any other context, we'd think that we'd look at that and say, "Man, that's really backward." You that's know? abusive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not healthy, and not to say you shouldn't have a place for your gifting. I get, I get all that. I'm just yeah. saying we've gotten it so out of context and so out of order mm-hmm. because it's become a uh, thing of self definition for people. They yeah. don't know how to. Uh, how to exist without some sort of validation from externals, and right. that's that's what we're talking about coming out of. It, it's uh, how how do we create a world where it's not about platforms, it's not about positions, it's not about um, uh, the metrics of of ministry. How do we actually minister the way Jesus did? Yeah, right. and, and so that's and that's the biggest. That's the biggest issue that, that that I think is the problem with it, and uh, because other than that, right? Like Paul says, some preach for their own belly. Blessed be God, the gospel's being preached. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but the problem is what it perpetuates is what it perpetuates is not as bad as what it steals. Yeah, right. Because the Christian calisthenics, right, that we get caught up in. They're constantly um, undergirding an idea that we are not yet what we should be, mm. Mm. Which, which robs us from actually glorifying him yeah. by being fully accepted and coming. So what it, what it keeps doing, whether or not we say it or not, and we, we say this all kinds of different ways, right? When we talk about discipleship, we don't, we don't talk about discipleship the way Jesus talked about discipleship, which was, hey, come, let's walk a while together, mm-hmm. Right? We don't talk about it like that. We talk about it if you learn some more stuff, which is what a third of the New Testament is written against. If you learn some more stuff, then you'd be more spiritual. <laughs> right, yeah, that's Gnosticism. Right? Yeah, that, that's Gnosticism, right? So there's yeah. two things. When Paul talks about this in, Col- in Colossians, he says, look, don't let people tell you, you know, why do you let somebody cheat you with vain philosophies? Yeah. Right? So, and he says, there's two things really that he brings up. One is, like, do not handle, do not touch. Um, and then the other is like these exhaustive. Uh, 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 he's, I love the way he says it. He says, says something along the line of um, uh, of uh, these uh, vain imaginations of angels that they have not seen, <laughs> right? So it's like either there is an there is this 
this experience that I haven't gotten to that if I continue to check all the boxes, then God's going to give it to me, right? So it's, it's done even sometimes with the right heart, but it's trying to earn what can't be earned, which is the entirety of what we are taught over and yeah. over again, right? Yeah. You're going to get more anointed. You're going to get su- mm. such and such, such and such. You have to grow in your anointing. You're going to grow in your anointing. You're going to grow. And, and I believe you can, right? I, I think you I, can grow in your understanding of your anointing. I don't, I don't, I don't know that you necessarily get more oil, <laughs> like, uh, or, or thicker oil, like, you know. Or more what, potent oil. It, right. Like, or whatever we thought we were doing. Right. Right, because it never happened, Right. And, and so the the realm to the open window to he- first of all Christ already opened heaven, yeah right yeah right it's never been shut up again right right um, a second of all I'm already there seated in heavenly places yes right so to the only way that I can actually access the realms of glory that God has called me into is to in faith believe that I'm already presently there by the blood of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. right. And anything that gets in the way of that, Paul says, lay it aside, right? Don't let anybody tell you not to do that. So, so there, the two things, right, was, was these, uh, the, the, this idea of some, sort of, um, of some sort of experience that you're missing out on because you aren't washing your hands right, right? Or this idea of, of you, you're not what you should be. You should you you need a more um, a more legalistic life, right? And both of those, I think, I think all all they all that we have to be careful of is kind of the the discipleship that's like self improvement that says you know I, I can and it's all through. Our, our culture, but it says I can't come to God until I get this thing straightened out, yeah. right? Which keeps us in the cycles of chasing our tail, right? And, right? and so, so when we talk about this, the problem with the system is not just that what it desires is so disgusting, right? He's Jesus said, right? Like of the of the Pharisees, he said, you you search the world over to to make one convert and you make him seven times the son of hell that you are right to, to the people who were trying to bring people into a, a legalistic system when he was present. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it, the, the problem isn't just, we're not, we're not just highlighting and I'm not just discouraged by like what it produces. Listen, if, if there are different assignments on on different companies and the manifestation of what Jesus does in the midst of a group of people, I'm not going to judge. I'm going to be obedient for what the Lord has assigned us to, right? But there should be, there there are some marks. There's there's the presence of God that is the the glory, the manifest uh, the manifestation of what the kingdom actually looks like, right? Yeah. But it's not just what it produces. It's it's what it alienates us from. That's the bigger part to me. That's what that's what I feel like we got robbed by. Well, and I think so much of what we're talking about, it's not even something you can judge on the externals. No, sir. Because okay, so 
Because the scripture tells us we're supposed to serve, right? So what's the difference between being serving in church and being exploited in church? Well, it comes down to what's the motive of the leadership structure to a great extent, right? Right. So... um, Like, what's the why behind... Exactly, because what happens... uh, so, so there was a a few years ago, a, a man who pastored the biggest church in the state I was living in at the time ha- had a fall and resigned his ministry, uh, to, was driven to alcoholism over, uh, and in his statement to the church, he said it was the reason he you know developed the problem was because of the continual pressure to get to a particular, I want to say it was like 20,000 or some incredible number of people. Now, this is already a man that people... Had tens of thousands of people came to his church, right? Was you know, and and so uh, who put this pressure on you? Who said you had to do that? Right. The, the scripture never says you have to have twenty thousand people or you're a failure. Like so, the, obviously there's some other voices being listened to there. Mm. Well, then what happens is is and I don't mean to pick on the man. I hope he's doing better today. But then what happens is because he can't preach, he became a church growth consultant to help other people deal with the same pressure. Wow. So you know. So here's the thing. You mean while you said well, he can't preach while he was set down? Yeah, while he was set down, this is what he did to keep you know keep the money coming in was, yep. you know, was to try to, you know, educate other people on how to grow their churches. And I probably worked, I'd be willing to bet. But the problem is like, if, if, if you're in that rat race and the only reason you need someone in the seat is because you're trying to get to 20,000, then all of a sudden it, it shifts to where it goes from the person's in the parking lot serving on the parking team because he's, uh, trying to create a place for people to encounter God, to now he's being used to get other people in mm. to feed the machine. Right, right. And that's a different thing. Yes. It and it looks the same to the guy working the parking come on, lot. Come on, yeah. And if you know the language, you can produce that result saying it's for one thing. Right. Yeah. And that's the danger. And that's that's really what we're speaking to is that. What we're experiencing while we talk about all of this is not, we don't notice it because, oh my gosh, it's, you know, we saw, there were some people doing this. It's because it's been in us. Yeah. It's been in me, you know, like that's what I'm, I'm learning how to find. I think we are all learning, not, not, not to that degree maybe, but we are learning how to not need, to, to not find that a man's approval or that a that a metric of success could add anything to my status as son of God and to my communion with him yeah i mean that and that that's what has had to that's what's had to to die over and over and over and over again. And that's the, maybe the entire reason for chronicling all of this in this podcast is the idea that it's not, it's not even that we, that I personally can say that I've found a, a, a way to do, uh, that I've seen all the fruit of, of what some people would call, you know, success. I'm not saying any of that. Mm. What I'm saying is I don't have that other fruit in me anymore. Yeah. 
and that's glorious. Right. Right. I don't have the, I don't, I don't have any more. I, I, I have, I've reconciled my heart to the idea that he, him and him alone, he's worthy, man. And I, I think it's a really good uh, point to point out of what you just said is that you're talking about like the fruit that's coming out of your life now versus the fruit that was coming out before. And the scripture doesn't say that a bad tree doesn't bear any fruit. It says a bad tree bears bad fruit mm. and that a good tree bears good fruit. And so this machine, this system, like depending on what's going on with your leadership and what's going on with you personally, like as you're listening to this, as you're growing in your walk with Christ, is that uh, fruit is fruit, right? Like whether it's good fruit or bad fruit, if you're doing something, you're producing something. And uh, as we were talking about in the last few services that we've had here at our church is that uh, the oil flows down from the head, right? And so um, you are learning how to move like who you look at. Mm. Wow. So uh, wow. if your idea of growing in Christ is to copy the ministry that you're under, you're going to have some wiring issues going on because you're not actually looking at Christ. You're looking at a man who you hope is looking at Christ. And not all of us have been put in ministry positions because we were supposed to be there. Uh, not all of us have been put in ministry positions at the right time. And, you know, I, I think there's grace for that. I think God knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, but I think it's really important to point out that like fruit is going to come whether you realize it's good fruit or not. And another point that you made was that um, validation from man is something that we have to like work out of ourselves, especially me, because in the beginning of my uh, walk with Christ, I'm having these like ridiculous encounters in my bedroom with Jesus and I'm like seeing all of these crazy things like uh, I'm not going to get into all of that, but I'm seeing all of these visions and having all of these dreams. And I'm going to people at my church that have been Christians for years. And I'm like sharing my experiences with them, not because I think I'm having like this, um, like not like a come up story. Like I don't think I'm special because I'm having these experiences I'm like, hey, this is what God is showing me. I need to tell you this. And I'm like sitting here like a little kid hoping they'll be like, yeah, that's really cool. Let me tell you about the time Jesus showed me this, right? But I never got that. Mm. Like at the place that I came from, I literally never got that. Um, and so uh, the validation from people to right. me was like, oh, I'm having these experiences in my room and like, he's showing me dreams and visions and I'm seeing sick people healed. Mm -hmm. Like the first miracle I ever saw was I prayed for a dude who his knee was blown out and God healed his knee. And now I'm like, that's awesome. But the people around are like, you have a healing ministry. And right. I'm like, what are you talking right. about? Yeah, 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 yeah. So 
I'm talking about like dreams and visions, and I'm praying for people, and I'm seeing the fruit of what the Holy Spirit's put in me to do. And these people are like filling my head with all of these ideas of what I'm supposed to be doing. Cash it in. Right. Mm-hmm. And an entirely so, different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. They're looking at me not the same way I'm looking at me. And like, I'm like, this is really cool. The gospel's true. Right? Like, John Wilbur's right. like, hey, let, when do we get to do the stuff? Yeah. Right? And I'm like, we're doing the stuff. And then I'm talking to people about doing that, and they're like, you're special. And so this is filling my head, and this is what I mean by the machine in, in my perspective of it, is that when we believe the word of God, and we start seeing that fruit, and we start seeing these things happen in the spirit realm, manifesting in this like temporal realm that we live in now, I was treated like I was either some whacked out kid or I was the next like big prophet. And I am neither of maybe I'm whacked out, but I'm not I'm not like <laughs> I'm not the next apostle Paul. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh I'm I just wanted to be a believer, and I thought everybody was like this. And um, and then you went through seasons of frustrations because and yeah, of it. Yeah, I, I went through and, seasons of frustration where I didn't see any fruit from praying for the sick. Uh, and then I, and I saw actually uh, out of my frustration, like people would bring people to me all the time to, to pray for them. And I would pray for them, and they wouldn't get healed. And then maybe some time down the road, I'd be like, okay, whatever. And I'm just kind of like huffing and puffing inside myself. And then the person gets delivered of demons, or they get healed of their ailment. And I'm like, well, that absolutely wasn't me. Like, I didn't care anything about this. And God loved them so much that through me and uh, my, I guess you would call it my expression of faith, it wasn't my expression of love. God still healed them. So, because um, He's good. Because He's good. Yeah, and it, then because it just draws lo- you back to Him, right? To, because it's just always going to all be about Him. Right? It's always going to be about Him. But yeah, I, people I, I, were making things about me as if I'm some kind of big deal. And then I came out here to to this house, and I realized, like, well, I'm just a normal guy. Like I'm just a son. Like. If it's a pretty my, cool thing to be. It's a pretty cool thing to be. Just being a son means all of the experiences that I've had in the spirit and all the miracles that I've seen have happened because I've spent time with my dad, not because I'm special in, to humanity. Like, but, but special to, to him. But to him. And that's a whole different perspective to have because if you're doing things for the approval of man, you're going to get very frustrated very quickly. Uh, if you're doing things for the approval of God, well, you're kind of striving now because you've already had the seal of approval of God on your life. Hello, you're here and Jesus came. <laughs> so <on. laughs> we, we don't have to work for that one. Yeah. And, but uh, yeah, man, like I think the system that I came from had so many like, uh, I won't say his name, but a famous TV personality guy who does a show where they sell a lot of books of the people who come on the show not gonna say his name if you know you know um but it was like it was almost like a do better class yeah 
like you're not the next top dog writing books like buy this book so you can be the next guy who does the stuff yeah and it's like that was what i was raised in and so when i started doing the stuff it was like you're gonna be on that guy's show in like 10 time years. to write a book time to write a book yeah which luke is doing by the way writing a book he's a he's a different kind of yeah, that's right. Different kind of book. Yeah. So, so it's incredibly helpful, right? That we that we're in this space together because ultimately, what we're starting to believe is that we're not um, we don't have to chase, right? Like what we're starting to believe and what we're learning to do together is that we don't have to. We don't have to chase down or or beat ourselves or or stir us or or wh- whatever it is that we were and and all of it you know there's like fasting praying I'm about all of it absolutely I, I'm I'm a, I'm about all of it I, as a matter of fact like if if it's up to me like it's a good thing that God has multiple giftings in the church because if it was up to me we w- we would never do anything <laughs> except for. <laughs> Pray, yeah. worship, yeah. Uh, lay hands on the you know like that's all we would do, and we're and only going to eat on Saturday. We sh- that's it. Like, we're just going to fast the, and pray. The rest of the time, we're just fasting. Count me out on that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? Because like I'm just I just love to be in that space, and it used to be because I believed that if I did that enough, something was going to happen, and and now here's where I am is like. I, j- I just love that space, right? And I actually believe that what we've been waiting on, that there's nothing left, that the curse has been reversed, that Jesus is king now. Yeah. And that what we've been waiting on is actually here. Come on. And I'm just, the and Holy Spirit, right? He, he, is, uh, the, he is always revealing Jesus. He is yeah. always in cooperation with the finished work. He's, uh, the only thing he's going to re- do is reveal greater and greater measures of the kingdom of God on the earth. He's, he, that's what he's doing. And he's in me partnering with it. If I'll yield to that, I don't have to, it doesn't have to happen. I'm not waiting on uh, one day it's finally going to fall, and if not, I'm going to be disappointed every service until then. I'm thankful for every, every time the wind blows. I'm, I'm just believing it's still growing. There's still more of it. We came to redeem this land. We're here in, in the middle of nowhere, outside of nowhere, 45 minutes from the nowhere that we used to nowhere at, right? Yeah. And, but it's growing. Right. It's growing, and it's not growing because we had a plan. It's growing because we trust. Yeah. You know, I think the, the point of all this is not just, you know, leaving the tabernacle of Moses. It's to get in the tabernacle of David. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. So um, the thing that's tragic about the fact that so many people being caught in this really scripted, programmatic thing uh, is the fact that there's so much more there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's the fact that like if we had if we had the proper imagination to sort of dream what God's dreaming over our areas, right? Like we would be we would be having some pretty wild thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Like there would be some incredible things happening in our in our midst that wouldn't even fit into some little religious box, but we're so programmed to think God's dream for this area is to have a big church. 
uh, you know, and then like, uh, and there's a lot of places that have lots of big churches and are still, and the crime rate is still awful. Right. Yeah, right. They have lots of big churches and they're still not, you know, a place where you'd feel safe putting your kids in school. Have lots of big churches and uh the half the people in there are going through divorces yep. and the you know, uh they're uh just barely getting by. And so there's something beyond just being a butt in a seat. Yeah. And there's something beyond just having other people's butts in seats. Yeah. You know, and and that's and there's what something, we're trying to get. and there's something past also hoping to move from being a butt in a seat to a man with a microphone. Right. Come on, that's yeah, that's what I'm talking about yeah. this whole time. Yeah. Is is that like I I kind of just want to be a butt in a seat for a little while. Like I don't I don't I don't want to have I don't want to be the guy right. Like um, what's what's the passage where it says that. You know, to some it's given to be apostles, teachers, prophets, right? But I'm talking about, like, the better gifts over here. And it's like, the best gifts aren't the ones where you're standing in front of people. Right. Like, that's what Paul was talking about. That's what he said. Like, to some, I'm giving you these five things. But, like, there's even more than this that is not going to be viewed from a pulpit. Right. And, um... So for me personally, like my, my issue has always been, I want to be the guy with the microphone, see what I've got from the Lord, but that's, that's not even me. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what God wants for me and that's not what I want for me, but that's like that fleshly struggle that I had early on in my and it, and it could be what he wants for you. It, it, you may be dying to it and it may not be. Yeah. But either way, you'll be no different than the Dylan that you are that he loves. Exactly. Yeah, I think the thing about, you know, if you can't put your gifts on the shelf for a season, then what it's telling you is that the gift is not, you know, a tool that you have on your tool belt that you can pull out when the Lord asks you to use it. But what it is to you is your personal sense of self-worth, right? Yeah. It's your uh, identity. You know, and, and you know, there is obviously a time where where you know, if the gift's been buried long enough, where there will be a righteous desire to, you know, use it at a time. Yeah. But, but what happens is a lot of times we won't go through that process, you know, because, and um, there's a lot of people's ministries collapsed because they went after it too soon before yeah. before they had things in their heart settled about yes, sir. where they stand with the father before they had stuff settled in their heart about how they were going to interact with their family yes, sir. in in a leadership scenario you know yeah. uh, and deal with those pressures before they had it settled in their heart you know uh that the presence of god is going to be priority number 1 they just got leapt into this Machine and listen. I don't think most people who are doing this went into ministry dreaming of big machines. I think they went into ministry wanting empty wheelchairs, but that takes a little time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, the the thing that's easy to do is copy what is working for Mega Church Pastor X. Yeah, right. and so we start doing that, and then we get frustrated because we can't do that either. Uh, well, and it's not just. And I can tell you firsthand experience is not just that. It, and 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 I. You know, in in the network that I'm a part of, we have more during the pandemic, more we have more open churches without pastors, lead pastors, than we ever have. And do you know why I believe that is? It's because if as a man, if your desire is to be successful, 
if you're wired to conquer, right? And the only way you can gauge whether or not you're being successful, whether or not you're conquering, is how many people are in the chairs. And then you can't put people in the chairs for two years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to go look for somewhere else. But you were never supposed to be conquering the bride. Yeah. Right? You were supposed to be conquering the day, the hour, the ages, the, the, being leavened in the lumps, spreading out, right? Growing yeah. branches. And, and because we made it that one thing, there are people that are leaving the ministry altogether that very well might have been called, but they were, they were from denominational structure, they were taught, this is what we want to see. And they may not have ever been said that, but 500 emails a day and the things that are celebrated. And the only way that we change the metric is we have to change what we celebrate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to get back to worship. And we have to stop. We have to stop. It comes all the way. It's, it's everywhere, right? And so what, one of the statements that I always say is, is we're not growing rows of corn here. Right. right. What did we do when we tried to feed the nations? We grew rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of corn. Right. Yep. And we said this, well, it's an unhealthy diet to eat that much corn. <laughs> it, right? right. And it is and yeah. high fructose corn. Syrup. So what do we do in the church? We just try to fill the rows with corn. Why? Because we know how to grow corn. Corn grows fast. If we put the seed down, we can put a lot of corn and we can plant it all the same. Matter of fact, we can automate it. Right. That's how we grow corn. Now you can automate it. Mm-hmm. Right. God is not in the corn business. Yeah. Right. He, he plants the seed, right? And one waters, God gives the increase. God, God plants, the word is the seed. Whatever comes up, whether or not it's a tulip or, or whether or not it's a cucumber or whether or not it's an oak tree or whether or not whatever comes up. Yeah. It's, it's, it, the only thing that, that anyone's responsibility to do is to take view of the landscape, call it beautiful, and see what the Lord has designed blossom. And then partner with him and what he's already doing. And right. that commission, that, that, that cooperation is, is what becomes the glory of the Lord because mm-hmm. his lordship produces it, not our answer to the email to how to get your church to 200, not our paying 1995 to this guy to be my life coach. Yeah. Right. Not not going and attending another conference going to tell you how to create an infrastructure and a structure so that you can automate everything and and so that it happens because it happened over there and it happened over there and it happened over there. Somebody's got to hear the sounds that are over regions. Somebody's got to hear the sound in the mobile tree. and and like you said, have some timing and some assignment to what they're doing and have fathers that are present in families that are able to say, no, no, no we're, we're not ready to drive. We're three. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Come I, mean, on. I, I just, you know, not long ago, I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine as a minister that, you know, he talked about a, a church that he planted and talked about, he said that he did everything by the book that it was supposed to be. You know, that you, the things you do now and got there and got to the end of it and said, I wouldn't go to this church. Come on. <laughs> right. And that's, and the thing is, there's so many people in that trap right now. Yes, oh, sir. Yeah. And, um, and the thing is, like, we have an opportunity to do life differently mm-hmm. than, than the world, you know, but we're trying to, we're trying to run the church like it's a Starbucks. I mean, it's not, that's yeah. not what it is. You know, this is, this is a place where God's family can come together and encounter the presence of the living God. And I'm telling you, I've seen the fruit of people that are still on the chase and I've seen the fruit of people who have said, we're about presence and it's not a comparison. No. I mean, just look into their eyes. 
Yeah. I'm talking about the contentment in the eyes. I'm talking about the way their marriages are. I'm talking about the way that the family interacts with, you know, I'm talking about uh, the, uh, what it's like at a cookout with the church people. I mean, as well as. What's it like to deal with conflict? What's it like to all of those things that say we're connected by something deeper than this is my favorite organization to attend on Sunday. Yeah, you know, and, and then and then of course the whole being stuck to the floor for an hour after service because the Holy Ghost is here. Yeah, I'm which also, you don't get if you've got to turn the whole crowd out. Yeah, to go facilitate service number three so that you can feel like you're a hot shot. Which oh. is what which we're overlooking. Which is and this maybe is where we pr- probably should say. So we probably need to answer a couple of questions. One is before because we've got listeners who are gonna. So they've understood, they hear us, they, they agree. The two questions we need to ask is, okay, if the church is not that, then what is the church called to be? So what is the difference? So, because I think there's a bunch of people out there that probably say, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's why I stopped going to church. Yeah. Or that's why I stopped attending, or that's why I stopped serving, or that's why I stopped leading worship, or that's why I stopped doing whatever. It started out, it was this thing in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It started out with breath on it. Yeah. And then and then it became just a cog in a in a wheel. And I want I thought that I had to go back to my bedroom. And if you have to go back to your bedroom, we're gonna say go back to your bed. But like I I just I couldn't I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do now. So we need to answer that question. One is what is the design? Because we're supposed to be growing in, learning to we're we're Christ in us is the hope of glory, right? So we're supposed to know that, right? I love I, I, you were talking about a teaching has just been sitting in me is that we're supposed to we're anointed so that we can so that we can navigate to presence, right? Because there's an agreement with the Spirit in us and the Spirit in Him takes us to that place of communion, right? We recognize presence, and then what we do in presence, right? We do, we we operate. The church functions and knows how to act, uh, knows how to operate in a different atmosphere. And then when glory shows up, then nobody does anything. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, when the scripture, when the glory showed up at the temple, you know, the priests were unable to minister. They were unable to do the thing because what happens when the real glory of God is in a place, you can't get up and say it's time for the announcements. We've got a video. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right. Which you know. which is not supposed to be irregular because it's going to cover the earth as the waters exactly. cover the sea. The, the knowledge of it, it's really it's there if we could know it. Yeah. 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 Right. 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 It's everywhere. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. As a matter of fact, Christ is in everyone is with producing a hope for the manifest glory of God. So I have no idea who's going to hear this. But seriously, you might be pastoring a church of a thousand people and think this is the thing. You could have that. Yeah, come on. Yeah. It doesn't take anybody but one man setting his heart to seek presence to have that come. Yeah. And and you can have permission to, to recognize that if nobody goes with you, you know you're not satisfied right now. Yeah. You know this isn't what you were born for. And I'm telling you that, that if you're hearing this, it's quite possible that God has designed you to hear this 
at this moment, and I just say over you, God wants it more than you want it, and he will be pleased, and he will watch over you as he leads you into that thing. You don't even have to figure out how to go find somebody else to copy. All you have to do is yield. Come on. You don't have to go find somebody who's doing it and then go and do the same thing because that's just the shortcut. That's all. That's what we're always, we're looking for the shortcut, a man to go up for me. You don't need a priest to go up for you. You have a high priest. Yeah. You don't need a mediator between you and God. You've been given one. His name is Christ Jesus, and he has designed you for this. Yeah. So man of God, woman of God, yeah. saint of God, come on! this is what you were made for. And we just, I just feel to release, there's just like a permission from the Lord mm. to, and I, I sense this, there's a permission from the Lord to um, not just to take your name plate off, and your 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 placard and your your title, but also at the same time, I see that you need to um, you have to cut off the the weight of bitterness that's trying to drown you mm, when you're yeah. made to be carried. So you can't be carried in the waters if you've got that bitterness that they should have never done. They didn't. The Lord has brought you to this moment, and this is glorious. So so so, cut the bitterness. And take off the title. I think one of the other things that I've I felt a stirring earlier, I think it's probably more appropriate for right now, is uh, some people are probably asking the question of, well, what about the words, right? Because we're in a, a world where so many of the, the words we've gotten from people, especially especially from specific personal prop, would be about, you're going to the nations, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I don't know how many people who got that prophetic word and have no interest in being missionaries, right? <laughs> but but what happens is, and, and, and I, I, my apostle uh, taught about this a few years ago by the word of the Lord, and it was liberating to me, and I feel a pressure to, to share it here, that a lot of times people... Our lenses are so religious that we can't a lot of times even process what we're trying to hear from the Lord outside of that religious box. Come on. So there's a lot of people, you know, that they see something special on a person. Dylan was talking about this earlier. See something special on a person, and the only way that they can put it into words is to say, God's got a call on you, brother. And so a lot of that stuff, you know, if you're whole, and we live in so much frustration because we think God said... I was supposed to be a pastor, and I'm not a pastor. It may be that you're supposed to be, but if he, if you are, you're not going to live. If it, if it's you're just following God's timing, you're not going to be in this state of perpetual frustration. And a lot of the frustration comes from the fact that we think like this is the only way that my life matters is as I'm fulfilling this in destination. And it's entirely possible that the person who prophesied that over you in the first place saw something on you and put it in a box. Yeah. Because there is this there's this process where what God says and what the man speaking for God says, where there's a interpretation step in the middle there. And that's why with prophetic words and stuff, you need to hold them firmly if you know they bear witness. But if you don't know in your own spirit, man, that that's right, hold them very loosely. 
Yeah. Don't discard them. You don't despise them. I put them but, in my back pocket. Yeah, but because what will happen is you think you're supposed to do this because someone told you this at youth camp, and you're 32, and it hasn't happened yet, and you're frustrated. And, like, the, uh, the reality is, did that man really think you were supposed to be a pastor, or did he just see the fire of God in your life, and he didn't know any other way to interpret that? Come on. Because right. we're now generations into th- this way of thinking. Right, you know, this way of doing things. We we've had such little fire in so many churches for so long that anyone with a little bit of fire, people think that you know they're, they're supposed to be in leadership by God. Right. Read your Bible. No normal person. <laughs> if you read your Bible, pray and love your wife. No normal person would want to just love the glory of God for its own sake. <laughs> Let's not get crazy now. <laughs> All right. So th- with that said, what what do we? So someone, maybe they're not the lead pastor, but maybe they're just a believer or they're someone and they're, they're in a house and, um, and they say, either they are or they, they aren't, but they're just, they're kind of done with the machine or they're just hearing this message. What do they do? I would say, first thing, stay in honor. Yes, sir. Right, because yeah. you can perceive some problems and realize this isn't entirely healthy. The bottom line is until you have another place that the word of the Lord has given yes, you sir. to call home, that's where you're at. You need to honor what's there. You know, serve with Absolutely. pure heart, the best of your ability. Be leaven in the uh, lump. You know, be leaven in the lump. Uh, don't get frustrated if you can't change it because you're not because it flows it flows from the head down. Yeah. Right, one person's not going to. And God, and God right. can use that yeah, because use you're it. not being celebrated anymore because you've chosen whatever, right? Might be the best thing for someone yeah. at the time. Yeah. You know, and so I mean, I think that would be the first thing is while you're figuring out what to do, you stay in honor and, and you don't leave on bad terms. You don't. But uh, I also, you know, you may believe this or not, I think it may just behoove you to find a place that is. Moving in that direction of unplugging from the machine, yeah, you know, uh, don't do that. I don't. I don't want to give people advice that I don't know their situation. You need to yeah. be led of the Holy Ghost, right? But I think for a lot of people, it is just going to be like, look, if this is what this thing is going to be, it's going to be a machine. Yeah. You're not going to fix that by yourself, mm-hmm. you know. So don't put yourself through the frustration of thinking you have to fix it by yourself. Find someone who's doing it. Yeah, um, you know, and and I've I know many people who have uprooted their lives i mean literally moved states away for the sake of being in a certain spiritual atmosphere and very rarely is there regret over that i mean people don't think it's strange to move across the nation to go to uh, i have a friend of mine who is a saxophone player and uh, he went to he moved from brazil to massachusetts to go to berkeley school of music and you know he and then later on he moved to go be a part of of the revival we had there in south carolina and, and people would he was so perplexed that like we say that god's the most important thing no one complained when i rerouted my life to go to college but now i've rerouted my life to be in a spiritual position and everyone thinks i've lost my mind right yeah <laughs> so what's what's really more important if you would yeah. move for a job you know you, i would move for a church you know yeah yeah uh but you know if, but whether you can find a, a place like that or not, I think number one thing is just settle in your heart that you're going to put the presence of God first. It's a weird spot to walk in because if if your heart is screaming, I'm supposed to be here for a while, I just don't want to be a cog in the machine. 
There's going to be some tensions with people that think they're being weird or they're being uppity about what they can do. You still want to be a servant's heart. You yes, know, sir. you still want to be, you know, I, I wouldn't encourage you to just shut everything down unless you have a specific word from the Lord. But just change the way you go about doing what you're doing. Make sure if you have a little... At the heart level. Yeah, if you have a little piece... Because a lot of times, let's be honest, a lot of times the machine is in us. Without yeah. right. question. Because, yeah. because there's a lot of people that... You know, have the leadership even has good intentions, but the people, yep, need that validation, and so they turn it into the game when when the leadership doesn't even want it to be. Yeah. Oh wow! So yeah. st- so don't play that game. You know, if before you get in a huff like, oh my my church is a machine. Well, are you the machine, or is yeah, or is it coming from somewhere else? Yeah, and are it, you the only one that thinks or knows that it's the machine? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, are you the only active participant in the machine in your church? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Because right. you don't want to go around and be the gossipy guy that starts, like, running down the path. No, 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 no. That ain't good. No. Uh, that doesn't fly. You, know, that, you, wouldn't. You, you, didn't, you didn't do better by doing that. You, it's right. actually the opposite. And if it, if it really, if your heart really gets turned to just live with a simple heart of of God is enough, then you won't need to run anybody down anyway. Right. Yeah. You'll be able to celebrate the fruit that is coming through the house that God has called you to. Because here's the thing, it's still his church. It's still his bride. And one mm-hmm. thing that I just set in my heart a long time ago to do is I, I don't want anybody talking about my wife. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about his bride. Yeah. That, I, I'm just not going to do it. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything to, to benefit so anyone. It doesn't do. Any, I, I, I'm just. I'm not going to talk about his bride. Yeah. because you can have you can have the right opinion and a wrong heart, and you're wrong. Yes. Yes. Right. And, and, and you can I've say done th- that before. I, you know myself. And what you will can, happen? You can say the right thing and not be righteous. Right. Yeah. And and the reality is, if if you're in that place and in, in where you're like seeing that things are wrong here, and you get frustrated about it and you become a uh, a gossiper in, in, in a uh, disrespect, you'll actually uh, lose the credibility for your ideas. People, They'll say, oh, those spirit-led people, oh, they're so spiritual. We don't want to have people like that around. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you have these like Jezebel prophetesses that run around prophesying about all the things the pastor's done wrong, what it does is it makes pastors not want to listen to prophets anymore. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you striving in the opposite direction is no different. Right. If you go, if you're, if you've determined this, we want to, I want to be a part of a spirit led church and God has called me here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take over a Wednesday night and I'm going to make everybody sh- sh- shout and yell and cry <laughs> and fall down and all kind of, it's just going to change in one night and everybody's going to get it. You're yeah. striving in an opposite, you're striving different, mm. isn't any more trusting, isn't any more fulfilled, isn't any more loving. And so, so, Settle in, right? And and I mean settle into God, and um, and think think generation. Think about your kids. I would I would uh, I, I would certainly f- turn my heart towards whatever that looks like, and and don't you know stay stay submitted to find a father. That's the other thing is like yeah. have a father, have a voice in your life that you can trust that, and they don't have to be, you know, stop chasing big people, yeah. you know, 
Um, just, just have a, somebody that loves you. And they may have different fruit than people that you than than people that you normal that you think they're doing what you. It doesn't matter if they if they are a father. Listen to that kind of wisdom because a father knows you. Mm-hmm. You know you don't go out and uh, you, you know the having. Having a coach isn't the same as having a father. Having a mentor isn't the same as having a father. A father knows and loves you. And listen there. And love there. And, and you know, don't start doing house church or, you know, if you can't, it, this is one of the things I see happen all the time with this generation. And I know that the language we're speaking is so is so appropriate for so many people that I see and that that are in ministry now. Just don't forget you can't um you can't sacrifice something you know to be true in the spirit because there's something that's missing in the spirit. You can't say, well I'm not gonna honor because they're not being led or whatever you think, whatever you, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to submit because they don't pray as often as I think you can't, you can't give up one thing Mm -hmm. and trade it in for another. Mm -hmm. He, that's he go from grace to grace, from glory to glory. So stay, stay solid and allow the Lord to bring you into a different place. And meanwhile, you know, if you're trying to, to get out of treating people like cogs in a machine, don't treat people like cogs in a machine. Hey, come on. Right? Yeah. So, so you know, know no one after the flesh. Come on. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I think having honor forever, including, you know, if you are in that position where you feel like, hey, my leadership is on 180 from what these guys are talking about. What do I do with this? Well, one thing you can do is don't treat them like the top of a machine. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, not say I don't mean not to honor their authority. I mean just understand that's a human. Yeah, who's got his own got pressures. His own stuff going he's on. got his own drives. He's you know there's probably some reason why he feels like he's under the whip. And I'm Come talking on. about how good it is to get delivered from the whip. You might be frustrated that your your pastor's a slave trader. He's that's because he's probably under the whip too. Yeah, yeah, and he's under the whip by more people. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's taking a lot of licks. Yeah. So love him. And, and love him. Yeah. Cherish him. Cherish honor him. him. Honor him. And and and, and, and right. Don't because it's gonna. Ha- it's a, it's a heart change. It's a bit. So I think that that's where uh, after talking about uh, after this right uh, podcast, however you hear this, um, I think that's a great place to go next is is uh, to start to talk about. Um, the family of God and talk about no, no man after the spirit. So I look, we, I think we can have some conversation around that. That's something yeah. we've been about honor, honor in every direction, how the family of God operates, how we learn to, how there's a greater, I, I was thinking about it when you were talking about um, like receiving visions and, or dreams and, and how in a company of believers that can recognize what one another are in the spirit and not, not using one another, but watching the way God weaves together and watching the way that he grows the kingdom and watching how he grows the garden is a beautiful place to go. So Yeah, so we'll talk about that in our next episode. 
of whatever we call this. Of whatever this podcast is called. Maybe by next week we'll have a name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. So we just bless you. We thank you. Bless. If you, if however um, you're hearing this, we just yeah. bless you right where you are. Yes. And we thank you for joining us on this journey as we chronicle, remember some of the things that God used to bring us to where we are. And as we chronicle the days that we walk in, this favor that's for a lifetime, this sonship by which creation is coming out from underneath of his bondage, and this beauty that is growing and filling the earth. As we watch the together for the days to come, as we watch the garden sprouting in the wilderness. Come on. Yeah. We, we're, we're thankful to be those who write these days down. Yeah. So we just bless you. Bless you. Streams flowing in the desert. Wilderness is about to bloom. Well, it don't look like much now. But you won't recognize it soon.